Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm going to get into it. We are in part four of a series that we are calling Elephant Hunters. Somebody say Elephant Hunters. And where we have been addressing different elephants in the room that not a lot of people want to talk about. In this past month, Pastor Bobby has done an incredible job addressing different elephants in the room uh, from a biblical perspective because who knows that our opinion ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is what the Word of God says today. Amen. Can I hear an amen from somebody? And pray for me because today I have the daunting task of addressing a very real place, and that place is hell. I can see some of your faces right now, and some of you probably clench up, like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about it. Yes, we're going to talk about it. Here's the reason I know that hell is a, a real place, because I hear many people tell each other to go there all the time. <laughs> Hell's a real place. But on a serious note, um, there's actually a fallacy and a lie being spread around the globe today uh, that hell does not exist, that hell is that not real that nobody is going to hell. But can I tell you, nothing can be further from the truth. If hell isn't real, why in the world would Jesus Christ die on the cross over 2,000 years ago? See, when you understand the reality of hell and sin and the enemy, you'll have a greater appreciation of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. The scripture says that he did not come to condemn the world, Jesus, but he came to save the world through him. And when you begin to study scripture and you begin to study the life and ministry of Jesus, you'll be surprised to find out that Jesus talked about and and Jesus described hell twice as much as he did heaven. You can look into it yourself. And his ministry described hell twice as much as he did heaven, as if Jesus was trying to shake us and wake us up to the reality of hell and tell us, hey, hell is for real. We know the book, right? You've seen that. The heaven is for real. But can I tell you something? Hell is for real too. And if Jesus talked about it in the scripture, the incorruptible word of God talks about it, We have the obligation as pastors and teachers and ministers to preach the full counsel of God and not shy away from tough topics just because we feel uncomfortable. So I want to drop some truth bombs, and I make no apologies for it. I just came to be obedient to what God has put on my heart and told me to write down. Hell is for real. So today we're going to be taking a look at a parable that mentions hell that Jesus tells In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, if you have your Bible or you can just follow along on the screen, we're going to be taking a look at this parable that Jesus tells. And you need to know one thing about Jesus. Jesus was a master storyteller. Jesus was the best when it came to telling stories. That's why there were so many crowds of people many times. Not because of signs and wonders, because he was like the ultimate communicator. He could speak for long periods of time. People would just be at his feet, listening, leaning in. And he would tell stories that would be called, that are called parables. And parables are simply earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Parables are short stories with big truths that were attached to them. And today I want us to take a look at what some people call the most controversial and complex parable that Jesus ever told and Jesus ever taught. And this is known as the parable of the great judgment or the parable of the sheeps and the goats. So if you don't mind standing to your feet this morning in honor of reading of God's word, and there's more scripture than usual, about 16 verses, but I know we can stand for a little bit, right, church? 
says this. God, give us ears to hear, God. Give us hearts to receive this morning, God. Oh, God, we do not take this for granted, God. We know that your word is true. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your word stands forever, Lord. It says this, Jesus talking. But the, when the Son of Man, talking to himself, comes in his glory, who knows Jesus is coming back one day, all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I came to tell you that Jesus, that God, he has prepared a place for you called heaven. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did, you ever, did, did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And isn't that just incredible? Look, 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 look at what it says. It says this. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Notice how surprised they were. Like, when did we do this? When did we do that? I, I believe that when we get to heaven one day, that because of how the grace of God has radically impacted our hearts and transformed us from the inside out, and you don't even realize it, by, but by your day-to-day -day loving and kindness and generosity towards other believers and other people, that's the love of God flowing through. And I believe that you're going to stand before God one day and God's going to say, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You were like, you were doing it to me. You remember when you cared for that family who lost their loved one and they needed a meal at a certain time and you stepped up to the plate and provided food for them? Remember that one time that person was going through chemotherapy and you stuck alongside them every single day and you prayed with them and you encouraged them and you helped them? And I'm just telling you, I believe we're going to be surprised one day when we stand before God. But it says... The brothers and sisters. Who are the brothers and sisters that Jesus is talking about? The least of these. I want to say a statement real quick. Not everybody on planet earth is considered a child of God. The scripture does not teach that. Now, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we fall after him. We are covered by the blood. And we become sons and daughters of God. And me and Jesse, we may not have the same biological parents, but because of the blood and because of the grace of God, we are now brothers in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it as unto me. Think about Saul. Saul was on the road to Damascus, right? And Jesus appears to him. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But Saul was persecuting the body of Christ. Jesus was saying, when you do this to believers, when you do this to Christians, when you show love and kindness and generosity, it's as if you're doing it to me. Now, I'm not trying to neglect us reaching out to unbelievers, people that aren't saved, but it's so important from what the scripture says. I'm going to keep on reading, y'all. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, now he addressed the sheep, now he's about to address the goats. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. So notice there's a preparation for the sheep, but there's also a preparation for the devils and demons. 
For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer, I will tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And it says, and they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. I'm going to take my time more this morning than I did first service because, man, there's so much in the scripture for us to unpack, but there's, there's so much truth in here as well. And we can't, this can't be one of the verses that we just ignore, right? Isn't that what we do sometimes? We read certain scriptures or whatever, and we feel convicted. Like, oh, maybe that's not for me. But can I tell you something? This is for the church today as well. And in this parable, Jesus is describing a time where he comes back. And there will be a judgment of the living and the dead that will take place by him. And he will separate people as sheep. And goats. And some people have called this the separation of the saints because this is the day where we discover who the true disciples and followers of Jesus Christ are. There will be a divide that will take place. I want to entitle this message this The Great Divide. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Great Divide. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Let's get to work this morning. Let's get to work this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, speak to your people, Lord. Speak through your word, Lord. God, give us ears to hear. God, give us hearts to receive. We love you so much, Jesus. This is all about you. I pray ultimately, Lord Jesus, that you would get the glory, you would get the praise, you would get the honor, you would get the worship, that you are worthy and deserving. Come on, church. And everything that hath breath, go ahead and praise God right now like he deserves it. Come on, go ahead and put your hands together for Jesus. If you love him, if you're thankful for him, if you know you wouldn't be in this building if it wasn't for him, Thank you, Jesus. I feel his presence. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing. Or if you're at home, you're probably already sitting down on the couch or in the bed or wherever you're at. Um, Speaking of places that are hot, this past year, I started a new job um, working for an HVAC company. I work for an air conditioning company named AirServe. Hey, if you need your AC fixed or something, look no further than AirServe. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that plug in there real quick. My boss will thank me for it, I think. I don't know. Um, but we're, we regularly work in, in attics on, on a daily basis. And who knows, man, summer is here. Is it summer here or summer, summer's coming here? And you know, we live in hot and humid South Texas. Like you ever gone to like another place, another city, another state, and it could be just as hot there, but because of the humidity in Texas, like you, and man, it just makes you, so, I love Texas. I'm thankful for Texas, but man, Texas weather is unpredictable. We just experienced craziness this past, this year already. It's only like, you know, about to be June anyways. But I was reminded as I was, as I was preparing for this message uh, of a job and install that I did a while back at a gentleman's house who lived on a homestead. And on his homestead, he had all different types of plants, vegetables and fruits and animals, some chickens, turkeys, ducks, quail, rabbits, bees. He had so many different things. And it was crazy. And shout out to our Riverside Community Co-op, by the way. We have some exciting things coming up with that. And it's not too late to sign up and be a part of it. Go online, sign up, get involved. 
we're going to be able to feed, I believe we're going to be able to feed so many people. We're going to make sure that nobody in this church goes hungry. We're going to make sure that nobody's pantry or refrigerator is empty. We're going to make sure that we do what we can to be self-sufficient, not only bless our church, but go out into the community and show the love of Jesus Christ. No strings attached. Who's thankful for that, y'all? I love my church. Come on, y'all. But I was like, I was genuinely like impressed, and I thought it was incredible to see everything that this man had built and put together because he put his blood, sweat, and tears into this place, and he eventually gave me a tour after the job, and we were walking around checking out all the different animals, and I think my favorite part of the tour was this, whenever I saw all the goats that he had there. So many goats, right? Like, there were so many goats that were there, and he allowed me, get this, so he allowed me to go in there and pet them. My coworker got his phone out and took a picture of me and let's just say I got roasted for this photo for the next week because of the pure joy and bliss on my face. You ever, like, do you ever have a photo taken of you? You ever take a photo with somebody? And in your mind, you look so much better and cooler. And then you look at the photo, like, can we do a redo, please? Like, this looks like I'm, like, one of the most happiest moments of my life. Petting this one goat right I don't even know. Yeah. But they were cute, you know. They were cool. Um, but, but the reason I share this photo with you and I want to tell this story a little bit. I have two reasons, but the first one is, is this. Up until that part of the tour, all the other animals were in the same area, same proximity with one another, um, even at times wandering around from the chickens, the turkeys, and ducks. They were around one another doing life together. But when it came to the goats, the goats were separated and divided way off in the distance. And here's why. Because goats have a reputation and they are known for butting heads, biting, and disrupting other animals as well as the environment. Goats can cause a lot of issues. They will eat just about anything, and they will do whatever they want, and they will be defiant. But when you think about sheep, because there's some similarities, but there's also some big differences between sheep and goats. Sheep, on the other hand, are known to get along with all different types of animals. They're harmless. They live harmoniously with other animals, right? They don't cause any major issues or anything. It's been said like this, that shepherds protect sheep from the environment, but goaters, which is like the shepherd name for the goats, you know, goaters have to protect the environment from the goats. <laughs> that shepherds lead the sheep, but the goats leave, lead the goatard. That sheep are submissive, but that the goats are stubborn. They want to do what they want, when they want. They can be hard to handle. In other words, I want you to get this. Goats are best kept and left with other goats. See, one of the issues I, I believe is causing confusion and, and a lot of trouble in the body of Christ today is that we lack the discernment of knowing the difference and differentiating spiritually speaking, what a goat is from a sheep. And just like this photo, we will allow ourselves to be easily influenced or infatuated by something or someone based off of what we just, based off of what we just see from the surface, forgetting that goats come with some baggage. There are some things that are of God and some things that are not of God. For example, for all the single, you can go ahead and take that off. <laughs> Take that off, please. Get that out of here. Oh. For example, 
for all the single people in the building that maybe are waiting and praying and asking God for, for your significant other or your spouse, don't think that just because the person that you're crushing on has a Bible verse in their Facebook or Instagram bio that that automatically makes them into a man or woman of God. Because somebody could present themselves as something on the surface or even online or in person, but when you get to know them a little bit deeper and you go beneath the surface, you could begin to see how they disrespect and dishonor their parents and all different types of authority, and they will misuse, abuse, uh, they will uh, manipulate, lie, steat, and chill still from other people or whatever thing it is, so that way they can get what they want. In other words, sweetheart, don't settle for a goat when God has prepared a sheep for you. There is a difference between a sheep and a goat. In the same way, I'm going to say something, in the same way, somebody can come to church every single Sunday and look fly, wear their Sunday best, walk smooth, talk smooth, ask them how everything's going. How are you doing today, sir? I'm blessed and highly favored. Flavored, I don't know, favored, flavored. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. They can come to church one way, but on every other day of the week, they could not give God a second thought, do whatever they want, whenever they want, with whoever they want, live like a devil, come on somebody, and not think about the consequences or ramifications of their sinful lifestyle, forgetting that the grace of God was never meant to be a license for us to sin and do whatever we want, but rather the grace of God was meant to be a means for us to overcome sin that may be in our lives. Now, I'm not saying, I'm going to say this real quick because I, I saw some of your faces and stuff, okay? I am not saying that we should become judgmental, sacrilegious, or legalistic Christians that categorize every person that we come in contact with and not show the love of God. We are called to love everybody. But at the same time, you need to guard your heart and first evaluate your life and not be so easily deceived as what is of God and what is not of God. And yes, you will make mistakes. Yes, you will fail. Yes, you will fall short. But you can also get back up because the scripture says that though a righteous man fall down seven times, he will rise again. And I want to speak to somebody that may feel like you're struggling. You're trying to follow after God. But sometimes that old nature just rises up and you fall again and again and again and again. Hey, I'm telling you, you're going to fall. But the question is, are you going to get back up? Or are you going to throw in the towel and say, this is is what it is. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm not going to, I'm going to sear my con. Come on. There's a difference between a sheep and a goat. So just because something looks good on the surface doesn't mean that it is of God. And in the same way, you need to understand that Satan won't always present himself as an ugly, disfigured monster, or a short midget that's red with a little pitchfork. You need to know this because Satan will often present himself. I'm just going to say this. Satan held demons and sin will often present themselves as the most beautiful and seductive option that you have. Being real right now, where a glance, you just like, you know, 
You ever like walk around and see something happens and you, you look at it and take a glance, but it turns into like a double take and turns into a stare right? Or like um, maybe a rebuke turns into, hey, what's your name? What's your name? What you got planned tonight, girl? Like, you know what I'm talking about? All I'm saying is that Satan, he knows you. You know Satan watches you. Demons watch you. There's, there's evil spirit. There's things, and they know you, sometimes more than you know yourself. And they will present different opportunities and baits. And they were like, I hope he goes for the bait. I know it looks good. I know what it is. Because just because something looks good or feels good doesn't mean that it is good. Okay, I'm, I, everything I'm saying is straight from Scripture. I'm going to go ahead and read Scripture. I'm not just trying to, like, share my opinion with you guys or anything like that. Okay, y'all? Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15 says this. You ready? It says this. These people are false apostles. The apostle Paul talking. He says, they are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Think about that. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And the reason I want to share this point with you this morning is because I want you to understand that many people will not be going to hell because they chased after things that felt horrible or felt bad on the surface and even felt sinful. But because they chased after things that maybe looked good, looked appealing, felt pleasurable, but that was sin. The author of Hebrews says it like this. He says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but that season will come to an end. See, sin always overpromises and underdelivers. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I have a strong question to ask of you this morning, okay? Because like I said, we shouldn't take this message and begin, begin to go out there and condemn people to hell. Like, you're a goat. You're a goat. We need to look at ourselves. I'm being serious. We need to look at ourselves and ask this. Am I a sheep or am I a goat? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? See, and there's a, we have to ask ourselves this question because Jesus makes a clear distinction and clear contrast, a, a spark contrast between the two. Where sheep will be called blessed and inherit the kingdom of God. But then the goats will be called cursed and thrown into the eternal fire. And yes, I want to say this. Ultimately, God is the judge and God sees our hearts. And yes, we are saved by grace through faith, not by our good works. But by believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ and accepting the free gift of salvation and forgiveness. And that's the good news of the gospel. Who's thankful for that? Now I'm about to shift on you right now. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. But on the same token, from what we see in this parable and all throughout Scripture, a true and genuine belief in Jesus Christ as Lord should change and shape the way that you live. Good works are not the cause of salvation, Good works are the effect of salvation. Not the cause, but they are the effect of salvation. See, Jesus did not die. I'm going to let this soak a little bit. I'm going a little slower purposely, okay? 
Jesus did not die for behavior modification. He died for heart transformation. Where our hearts begin to be transformed, where we're made into a new creation, and we feel compelled and led by the Holy Spirit to love and bless and care for other brothers and sisters in Christ, where you feel led by God to do certain things at different times. But goats, many times, they will shrug it off. This is what I want. I don't want to humble myself. I don't want to be a blessing to another person. I don't want to love other people. I don't want to forgive other people. And God said, if you can't forgive other people for their sin, I can't forgive you over your sins. And the same love, forgiveness, graciousness, and kindness that God has been poured into our life should also be poured into the life of other people where people see the fruit of our hearts and the fruit of our life and the way that we talk and the way that you live and people don't have to question or guess, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? But your life will speak volumes where you go into work when you're with your family and the love of God is just radiating and showing out of your, come on somebody, I'm telling you, there's a difference between a goat and a sheep. Which are you? Oh, this is strong, but I feel, I feel annoyed. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. Let me tell you something. Sheep will make mistakes. Oh, man, sheep will make plenty of mistakes. And many times sheep have a tendency to stray away. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 14, he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And later on it says, and they listen to my voice. They listen, not just hear, but they listen to my voice. You know, recently I just officiated a burial service of a young girl who passed away tragically and unexpectedly at the age of 16. And at the gravesite, I read Psalm chapter 23. And this is a psalm that David writes, and he compares himself as a sheep who trusts and follows after the good shepherd. And this is the famous words of David where he said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Rod and staff. Think about this for a second. A shepherd would have a weapon and he would have a tool. He would have a staff and he would have a rod. He would use the staff to ward off and push back the enemy, to push back predators that would try to mess with this flock, to try to mess with this sheep. And he would also have a rod that would pull in the sheep when they begin to stray away. Who's thankful for the protection of our God? Oh, come on, somebody. I came to tell you, if you only knew how many things God has protected you and your family from as you follow after Jesus, there have been times where the enemy has been trying to come and destroy you and steal from you and rob you. But because you're in alignment and because you're following after Jesus, Jesus says, no, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's my flock. You're not going to mess with them. And every time that we begin to stray away, every time we begin to fall away, all of a sudden God's grace and love and mercy is right there. Some of you have tried to run away from God your whole life, but God's grace, mercy, and kindness has followed you every single day. Oh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I dare you to give God praise if you know that you wouldn't even be living, you wouldn't even be breathing, you wouldn't be in this building if it wasn't 
for the grace of the good shepherd in your life. I dare you to give him 10 seconds of praise. If you're thankful for his rod, if you're thankful for his staff, if you're thankful for his covering, if you're thankful for his grace, come on, somebody, give him praise. 10 seconds right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sheep are reliant on the good shepherd. Sheep know if it wasn't for the shepherd in my life, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't make these decisions. I can't live without Jesus in my life. I can't live without the good shepherd. But goats, stubborn, goat think they have all the questions and all the answers and everything all figured out. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need God. I don't need to love people. I don't need to forgive them. That's not what God wants. And don't be mistaken. There will be a day. Hear me, church. Hear me, people watching online at home. There will be a day where Jesus will come and he will separate and divide the sheep from the goats. Between the people who play church and the people who were the church. Between the people who were the true followers and those who weren't. And just like the parable describes, some will end up holy and others will end up hot. There is no in-between. There is no alternative. There is no limbo. There is no nothingness. Just heaven and hell Period. I'm going to say this too. No purgatory. No in-between. Heaven and hell judgment. And our God is a just judge. And our God is a good judge. And our God is a gracious judge. And he sees the heart. And I'm going to come back to the sheeps and the goats and everything like that and how Jesus comes into the equation. I want to talk about the reality of hell this morning. And I felt so led that we need to talk about all that. We're going to come back to all that. But now this morning, I want to give you my first point. I want to talk about the place of eternal punishment that Jesus describes. You ready? Hell wasn't intended for humanity. First point. Write that down real quick as I get a drink of water. Hell wasn't intended for humanity. Thank you, God. In order for us to understand the reality of hell... We need to understand the holiness of God. And we need to also understand the fall of Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. the devil, a.k.a. the adversary. Lucifer at one point was in heaven. He was the highest of all the angels. The Bible says that he was the model of perfection when it came to his beauty and when it came to his stature. And theologians also believe that he was also the orchestrator and director of music as well, that he would lead the worship, but at one point, pride. You know what the original sin was? Pride. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out for pride. You got to watch out. Don't let pride enter in your heart. Pride is a silent killer entered into his heart, and he thought to himself one day, I can just imagine, just paraphrasing, man, I look so good today. Man, I'll just feel it myself, you know. Why am I worshiping God right now? Look at me. Look at this. No, I don't know. Okay. 
Would I just do that? And he wasn't content with worshiping. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be God. So God cast Satan, Lucifer, and one-third of all the angels out of heaven that were following after him. And yes, God is loving. Yes, God is perfect. Yes, God is good. He's all those things. All the time, God is good. And, oh, actually, God is good all the time and all the time. Yeah, you know what I'll say. We, we know the church jargon, okay, right? But God is good. But can I tell you something? God is holy. What does that mean? That means he is set apart. He is good. Like sin can't really enter into the fullness of his presence. That's why the blood of Jesus had to cover us, but now we are temples of the Holy Spirit because we've been right with God because of what Jesus Christ has paid. God is holy. And God is also just, which means this. You ready? Sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be dealt with. There's a price and there's a penalty attached to sin. So God prepared hell as a place of punishment and a place to pay for the sins for Satan and the fallen angels who are now demons. And one day, they will all eventually end up in hell. Now I'm about to say something. They may mess with somebody's theology right now. But it's very scriptural, very true. If you think that Satan... And the demons and devils are currently bound up and restricted and confined and constrained to hell right now. You are sadly mistaken and you are very wrong. Yes, they will eventually be bound there forever in hell. But Satan right now has the freedom to roam around. Ephesians you want a Bible for it? I'll give you a Bible for it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, describes Satan as the prince of the air, which means that he has the right to wander around the heavenlies, not heaven, heavenlies, the space, the atmosphere surrounding the earth. And Jesus says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says that Satan prowls around, he roams around to and fro like, not a, but like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. I came to remind you, in newsflash, hell is real, but also the devil is real. Demons are real. Evil spirits are real. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. There is such thing. And I'm not just saying this from what I just see in scripture. I, I'm saying this from what I've experienced in my life. Let me share with you a story real quick. There was a time where I was praying in my room by myself. And as I was praying in my room by myself, and I was worshiping, and I felt God's presence out of nowhere. I could not, man, this has only happened to me once in prayer. And I've got my ear checked and everything. <laughs> A loud roar went past the right side of my face as if something was, flew past me and yelled. It was a roar! And it scared the mess out of me. I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I was not just standing. I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And part of me, wanted to turn on the lights and quit praying. But then another part of me, which I believe was the Holy Spirit, was telling me, oh, you're on to something right now. He doesn't want you to pray right now. You, that means you need to keep on praying right now. 
And you know what I did? I said, in Jesus' name, right now, I speak against every devil. I speak against every demon. I speak against every, I, ho- I speak right now. See, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I said, in Jesus' name, I am covered by the blood. You can't get between me and my worship and praise to God. And all of a sudden, you know what I felt? <sighs> Whatever that was, that fear, because God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power loving to sound mind, it left. I go to my dad, get this. I go to my dad. I say, Dad, whoo. I felt like so just hyped up. I was just, whoo, Dad, you won't believe what just happened. I was praying, and a spirit tried to mess with me, but I prayed it off. And I love my dad because he would just act so casual. That's awesome, son. He said, he said, get this, listen, 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 okay? He said, son, the same thing happened to me yesterday when I was in prayer. He was praying by his bedside, and that same spirit, he said, there was, that same spirit came past him. But my dad's more mature than the Lord to be, but he, I don't know if he got scared. He probably did. Probably did. I'd like to think he did like me. But he said he did the same thing in Jesus' name, and it left him. And he said that same spirit that tried to mess with me couldn't get to me. So he, now he tried to mess with you. Trust me, you think the devil is stupid? We can't be ignorant to his devices. The, Satan is real. Hell is real. And my dad, I love what my dad said. He said, son, <laughs> little things like that, we can't let those little devils or little imps trimp us up. Because there are going to be times, come on, when you truly follow after God, where you're going to feel resistance. And you're going to feel an attack. You're going to feel a separation. The devil may try to throw a wrench in your plans to follow after God. For some of you, it was a battle to come to church, but guess what? You made it to God's house. And sometimes you may feel that resistance. You may feel a weakness in your flesh. And you may feel like the devil's trying to separate, but can I remind you of a scripture found in Romans. Thank you, God, that says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, nor present, or future, nor powers, nor height, or death, nor anything in creation, shall separate me from the love of God. The devil can try. Hey, some of you are saying, why me? You need to start saying, try me, devil. Try to come against me and my family. Try to mess with my mind. Try to mess with my children. I dare you to mess with me. Come on, because I have authority in Jesus' name. I have authority in the blood. The devil's not scared of you. You can go to him and say, in my name. But no, if you say the name of Jesus, knees have to bow down. Devils have to flee. Even spirits have to be cast out. Oh, let me share something with you, church. We've seen demons cast out of this church. We have seen people come up to the front, bound up in lust, bound up and influenced and possessed by evil spirits. They had not fully surrendered to God. They have not truly fought after Jesus. Witches, too, people that practice witchcraft, come up to the front, and I've seen my dad pray over them, and all of a sudden they start spazzing out freaking out, and their voice changes, their demeanor changes, and everything. But I've also seen God through his power and grace and sovereignty and providence. I've seen his name. I've seen the power of his name up close multiple times where that person didn't know what to do, and they say, get away from me, get away from me, get away. But we say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and that devil left him, and they were delivered, and they were set free. Come on, this is real. 
We can't play church. Devils are real. Hell is real. Satan is real. There is demonic attack. There is spiritual warfare that takes place. But God is looking for people that are not going to play church anymore. They're not going to play church games, but they're going to take a step. Oh, come on, somebody. The time for playing church is over. The time for treating God casually is over. The time for being like a goat is over. It's time to go all in for Jesus. It's time to go all in for God. Do it for you. Do it for your marriage. Do it for your family. Do it for your children. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. Okay? Get this. So Satan, Lucifer, and his henchmen are defeated foes. They stand no chance against God at all whatsoever. And get this, their time is running out. The clock is ticking. The end is near. And they, oh, some of you are questioning, like, why is God, like, why is, why is the Satan and Lucifer, why, why are they so obsessed with me? Why are they so upset? Okay, anyways, why are they coming, like, why is he trying to come at me? Get this, you want to know why? Satan can't attack God. He can't hurt God. So guess who he goes after? The children of God, the creation of God, the very people made in the image of God, starting with Adam and Eve, because his, he knows his time is running out, so he has it in his mind, if I'm going to hell already, I might as well drag as many people with me to hell. I might as well take as many people. I'm not going to go to hell empty-handed, just like we as a church should not go to heaven empty-handed. we got to get serious about reaching out to people and talking about the gospel and talking about the love of Jesus Christ. See, the devil came to steal. He came to kill, and he came to destroy. And he hates you so much. Oh, he hates you so much. He hates your gut so much. You want to know why? No wonder the devil hates us so much. He messed up one time, and he can't be forgiven or redeemed. We mess up every single day, and God's grace, love, and mercies are new every single morning. Come on, if you're thankful for the grace of God, if you're thankful for the love of God, I feel his spirit. I feel his spirit. Ah, uh, whoo. This is a message the church, Riverside Church, needs to hear right now. So get this. God never intended for humanity to go to hell. In fact, I know it breaks the heart of God so much because the scripture says that it's not God's will for anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance, a turning, of way, a turning away from the wicked. Repentance. See, we, you need to understand this, okay? One day from death we came, from death we shall return. One day this body's going to break down. One day this body's going to die. But we are also made of soul and spirit. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, the scripture says. And one day we're going to pass away. But you need to understand, ultimately, at the end, you are an eternal being. You don't have an expiration date on your life. Things in your life may have expiration dates, but your soul is going to carry on. You need to get this, okay? Your soul your body, it's going to carry on. And the only other place for the sins of your life to be paid for, other than accepting the price and the payment that Jesus already paid for in advance beforehand, because God, for, you need to understand, nothing's a surprise to God. Have, has it ever occurred to you, nothing has ever occurred to God before? 
but God foreknew from the beginning Jesus was the lamb slaughtered on the foundations of the earth. From the very beginning of time, God knew that because of our frailty and our weakness and our sin and our wickedness, we would fall away. But he also knew that he had a plan in place to redeem his creation, to redeem me and to redeem you. And hell is the place where people have the option to pay for their own sins. Let me say this too. There will be millions, if not billions, more people in hell compared to heaven. For the way to hell is wide, it's broad, and many people enter through it. But the way to heaven is more narrow. There's a door, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that as many people enter through it and follow after him. What I want to do this morning, because we're going to get into scripture now, we're going to describe hell this morning. You ready? We're going to read some scripture, biblical descriptions of hell this morning. I want to read to you guys, because it's real. Luke chapter 16, verse 22 through 24. Hell's a real place. And this is what gets me too. You know, there's some people that joke about hell so much. They joke about it. They take light of it. And there's so much things, their culture, whatever. They make light of it so much. We should not joke about hell. Hell is a very real place. I want to read this to you guys, okay? You ready? I said, are you ready? All right, here we go. Make sure you're still there. Get this, Luke chapter 16, verse 20 through 22 to 24. I got to speed things up. Is it okay with you guys? You getting something out of this morning? I pray so. <clears throat> Get this, says this, and this is known as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, okay? I want to encourage you to read the whole thing later when you get a chance. It says this, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. So the, the poor man, he died and went to heaven. But the rich man also died and was buried and he went to the place of the dead, speaking of hell. There in torment, he saw Abraham far in the distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have pity, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tongue, dip, dip, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish and in flames. Here's what gets me about the scripture. Even though Lazarus is in hell, he still has a consciousness. He still has a memory bank. He still has a recollection of his loved ones on earth, too, because you can read it later. He says, oh, let me go to earth. Let me tell my brothers not to be here because this place is horrible. This place is so bad. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. And then not only that, but he sees the poor man, the one who was able to, that he was able to have serve him and everything. He sees he, him in heaven. Can you imagine being in a place that you can't escape from? No exit doors, no way of escape. The time is up. Judgment has taken place. Can you imagine? And he says that he died and went straight to hell and having a consciousness and awareness of where you're at. Who knows? Sometimes the most tormenting things in life are your thoughts. Next thing. You ready? Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says this. Then the devil who had deceived him was thrown into the fiery lake, the lake of fire of burning sulfur. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be stinky down there. It's going to be stinky down there. Sulfur. Let me say this, too. There was somebody I know of that I heard who was content with going to hell. They said to themselves, you know what? I give up on God. I'm turning away. I'm just going to go to hell. And I heard through another person that I asked them how they were doing, and they said that they were so content with going to hell that they were taking the time. This has really happened, that they took the time to get a match and get a lighter and burn their skin, burn different pieces of their body slowly so that way they can be conditioned enough for whenever they go to hell, it won't affect them as much. But can I tell you something? You cannot prepare for the fire of hell and the lake of fire. There's no way to do it 
And somebody not believing in hell, I've heard this said before, it's like one of the cliche statements, somebody not believing in hell does not lower the fire one degree. I want to read this to you guys. Ready? Joining the beast and the false prophet, they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Tormented day and night forever and ever. You ever work a night shift before, like a long work day? Like, when is this going to end? Come on, we're looking at the clock. There's no clocks in hell. There's no clocks in heaven because it's eternity. You don't need to keep track of time there. It's forever and ever. Think about that. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Forever and ever. I'm going to read the next one. we got to go on. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12 says this. But many Israelites, those whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness. Somebody say darkness. Darkness. Okay, we just, I'm trying to make this real, y'all. I think that, church, I think that hell would be less, be less empty if the church took the time to preach the full counsel of God. I'm just saying that, y'all. Outer darkness. Did you know that in heaven there won't be an S-U-N, a sun, like, you know, that we have, like, here on earth, that we, the earth revolves around and stuff? Because the S-O-N, Jesus Christ, the light of God, the light of the world will shine so brightly that we won't need it. But in hell, complete darkness. Complete darkness. Where they will be weeping and gnashing of sadness, remorse, weeping, crying, and gnashing of teeth. You ever, like, stub your toe on something before? Ah! And you're like, "Mm." You know what that is? Gnashing. Mm, such intense and tremendous unbearable pain. Mm, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this one right here, this one probably hits me the hardest right here. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9 says this. In flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus, they will be punished with eternal destruction forever, separated, separated from the Lord and from his glorious power separation from God. That's why, church, you should never take the presence of God in your life lightly or for granted. Because for people in hell, there's a separation from God. You ever, like, been down or discouraged before, but then you spent time in prayer and the Holy Spirit just came and shifted things around? The fruit of the Spirit, there's none of that in in hell. You get the point. I want you to get this. Hell is the most unbearable, horrible thing that you can ever imagine. And it should break our hearts and make us cry at times to think about people, real people, just as real as you and me, that are going there. And let me say a statement. Let me take a giant step further and say this. We all deserved to go to hell. There's not one person in here, the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags to God. There's not one person in here that can say, I don't deserve to go there. No, we all deserve to go there. And at one point in our our existence, we were all heading there. But thank God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that while we were on the tightrope, lingering, swaying, he came into our lives. He lived the life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that you and I deserved. Here's my second point for you. Jesus did not come to give you what you deserve. He came to give you what he deserves. He did not come to give you what you deserve. He came to give you what he deserves. Earlier we talked about how Jesus one day will separate the sheeps and the goats. 
I want you to understand the only reason that we can be classified or categorized as sheep is because of first of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross over 2,000 years ago. The only reason is because of what Jesus Christ has done. You know, many times in the Old Testament, you should do it sometime, man. Like, it's awesome to see the foreshadowings and shadows of the Old Testament and how they correlate to the life and ministry of Jesus, the prophecies that were fulfilled, the symbolisms that were taking place all throughout the Old Testament that you see. That's like, man, that's like what Jesus would do. Oh, that's what Jesus did. Oh, that's what he's going, like, it's incredible. And a powerful one, I believe, that we can find is found in Leviticus chapter 16. Now, get this, because this is powerful, y'all. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7 through 10 says this. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azizel. Aaron will then present a sin, as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the land. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen, somebody say scapegoat. This is where we get that word, right? You ever seen like somebody, like you ever heard it said before, that's the scapegoat, the person that gets the blame on them and everything, right? By Lot, to be sent away will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azizel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. So get this, from what the scripture is saying, it says every year on the day of atonement, the people of Israel will get two goats, one goat that will be slain as an offering before God, and then another goat that will carry the sins of Israel on it and into the wilderness. And only when this, and this is all, like I said, this, this whole system that we see throughout the Old Testament and the law and everything, you know, and everything, the Bible says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. The scapegoat would go into the wilderness, and only then could the people be purified and could they be cleansed. Church, I came to tell you that just like those two goats, Jesus came and he laid his life down to be slain. To be slain as an offering. We're going to get into the scripture. And not only that, but just like the scapegoat, he carried your sins on his back, on his shoulders. Past, present, future, the whole world's sins. He carried it on him. And just like the scapegoat, and we're going to get into it, he not only just carried it, but he became it. Look at this. And just like the scapegoat, he took the blame and the shame on himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, and I'm, I'm going to read it right here. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made, through, made right with God through Christ. In other words, he who knew no sin became sin, so that way you and I could become righteous. We can become in right standing with God. In other words, Jesus became like the goat, so that way you can be considered his sheep. He did not come to give you what you deserve. Let me tell you what you and I deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal punishment because God is holy and we are sinful and wicked, but thank God that Jesus came into the world. He laid his life down. He gave it all. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the prophecies. He fulfilled everything. And now we can walk into the benefits of that. 
and the gift of salvation is free. How good and loving and merciful is our God. But I thank God that Jesus not only died, but three days later he rose from the grave because he's the resurrection and the life. And when he rose from the grave, the scripture says that he has the keys of hell. He has the keys of Hades in his hands. Hell has no power over you. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He defeated everything. The enemy is a defeated foe. Why? Not because I'm good, but because God. God is so good. Can we go ahead and give him a praise? Haley, you can come up. Come on. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. I want to close with a story this morning. Does this make sense to you guys this morning? I feel God's hand on this message, y'all. Some of you need to share this message with somebody. My previous youth pastor, um, his name's Pastor Drew. Awesome. I love Pastor Drew so much. Currently, he's like in the Austin area. He's one of the associate pastors that are there. We have an awesome relationship with him. He came and served here for a season with us. And he told me a story one time that I will never, ever forget. He told me about a story about how at his previous church that he was pastoring at, how there was a couple who had a father, and their father was an atheist. He didn't believe in the existence of God. And their father had gotten sick. And as he was getting sick, they took him to the hospital, and he was laying in his bed, and he wasn't given long to live at all. So the children, the couple, they reached out to Pastor Drew, and they said, Pastor Drew, can you come and minister to our father? Can you come and pray with our father? So Pastor Drew went to the hospital, and this guy's on the bed, and he's not in good shape, and he's in his right mind and everything. Intelligent man, intelligent guy. And Pastor Drew begins to talk to him about Jesus and the gospel and everything. And Pastor Drew said he felt like God's hand was on it. And he ended up praying a prayer with the man. And get this, in the middle of the prayer, middle of the prayer, the man looked up, began to curse Pastor Drew and said, get out of here. I don't want none of this foolishness. I don't want none of this. Because you understand, to the world, sometimes the cross, the, the cross looks like foolishness. There's a scripture for that, too. I don't want none of this in my life. Just get out of here. I'm done. I don't believe in none of that. Pastor Drew walked out. He tried to reason with him. No chance. Later on that day, that man passed away. Rejecting Jesus. Rejecting the gospel. And it was available and attainable to him right there. And I believe that our God is so merciful and so good that even in his last moments, if he had a heart of repentance to turn to God, that God could have saved him. It happened in the scripture with the thief on the cross to the right of Jesus. In the last moments, that thief lived a life, but he had an opportunity to get right with God. Put his faith in Jesus. And Jesus said, today, surely I tell you, I, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to get water baptized. He didn't have time to go through growth track. He didn't have time to go through an outreach. 
He didn't have time to do any of that. But God is the judge, and God sees the heart, and he knows a repentant heart whenever he sees it. And we have to trust and know that our God is good. And you as a follower of Jesus should not be questioning your salvation all the time and teeter-totter. Am I saved? Am I good? No, no. The scripture says that Jesus said, hey, my sheep, I will hold them in my hand, and the enemy cannot pluck them and take them from me. When you're a sheep, when you follow after the Lord and shepherd Jesus Christ, you need to have a confidence knowing, knowing, not believing, but knowing, say, I'm following after Jesus. I know I'm saved. I know I have a home in heaven. I know that there's hope found in his name. He rejected the gospel. He didn't want God. And I say that to say this. I'm going to close with this. People will not be going to hell because God didn't want them. People will be going to hell because they didn't want God. Not because God didn't want them. It's because they didn't want God. Here's what I want to leave you guys with right here. The church, somebody say me, is called to partner. We have the commission, partner, co-mission, partner with God to make hell emptier and hell, heaven, fuller. Hell emptier and hell fuller. Where you have it in your mind and you have it in your heart, where you're not going to give up on your children so easily. You're not going to give up on your friends so easily. You're not going to give up on people so easily. You're going to sow the seed. You're going to sow it. You're going to be loving. You're going to be gracious. You're going to be kind. You're not going to try to become mean or whatever. Live your life. Represent God well. Be the ambassador that God has called you to be and have it in your mind. Have a relentless pursuit to follow after Jesus and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My children will be saved. My grandchildren will be saved. My friends will be saved. My co-workers will be saved. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that there's one less soul going to hell. I'm going to make sure there's one more soul going to heaven because don't you know that your God is the one who leaves the 99 just for the one? You and I were strays. You and I were runaways. You and I were so far from God and the gospel is not about you getting to God. It's about God coming to you. Can you go ahead and give him praise right now? Can we go ahead and worship God right now? Come on, we go ahead and worship if you're thankful for the shepherd in your life. Come on, sing it out, sing it out. close if you're watching online right now. I don't know how many people are watching online, but do you receive this word this morning, church? Come on, do we have any sheep in the building this morning? God is so good. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this building and you haven't accepted the free gift of salvation, or maybe just like I talked about the goat, you've been wanting to do your own thing and you haven't surrendered to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Your eyes were opened. Your heart's enlightened. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, and that you shall be saved. But can I tell you something? That is not the finish line. 
that is the starting line for what God has for you in your life. God has so many amazing things in store for you. Keep following him, following him day after day. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Maybe it's your first time praying this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn away from all my wicked ways. And I turn to you, Jesus. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, that you are Lord, that you died, and that you rose. Forgive me. I forgive everybody else who's done me wrong. I believe in you, Jesus. You are the good shepherd. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church. Go ahead and give Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurchtx.com.